Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to your weekly boxing show brought to you by our corner men and women over at Paddy Power. We have a stacked show this week. After the heavyweight division finally sorted itself out, we've got all the big-name players. Tyson Fury joins the show. Also, Varlin, who's going to take on Anthony Joshua, is also on the lineup, as well as Deontay Wilder for an exclusive chat. I'm Alex McCarthy, soon to be joined by Charlotte Daly. Find out where she is in the world this time shortly. This is The Hook. We have to jump into... The day of reckoning, apparently, Charlotte Daly, uh, December 23rd. It is the most stacked card, arguably, in boxing history, many would say. And you were across it all last week. We had Deontay Wilder and AJ's card announced, and then the press conference in the same week for Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk, undisputed title, not to be uh, <laughs> outdone. Um, but let, you know, how, how quickly did these... Did this come together, the Saudi Arabia card on December 23rd? Because we were um and ah and even as recent as last week, uh, saying all oh, contracts need to get done and, and how quickly it kind of snowballed. And you were across it all last week. Just how quickly were you called into action? Well, I have to say, I was one of the people that didn't think it would actually come together and actually happen until I got that invite to go to the press conference. It was then I realised it was really happening. And... At first, when I heard about December 23rd, I wasn't best pleased because I'm a big Christmas fan. And the Aren't thought of being over in Saudi for Christmas wasn't that appealing. But then I saw who was fighting. And you know what? I'm okay with being over, over the fight. As you said, it's heavily stacked. But it came together so quickly. Eight days it took to get this over the line. You know, you've got Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn working together. You've got 10 other promotional companies involved in this. The fact that they could get everything signed and sealed within eight days is unheard of and ultimately it comes down to the Saudi money yeah absolutely does come down to the money and it shows you how they had to pivot from the original ideas of Wilder and AJ which of course was the goal all along we somehow end up with them on the same card but not fighting each other um but I guess we're placated by the amount of great fights and top names that are on the card that will kind of bring us some solace that we didn't get the fight we really wanted. Um, but you did bring up a great point just a minute ago. Frank Warren, Eddie Hearn, finally working together. Um, I couldn't believe this when you said this to me the other day. The first time they'd ever been in the same room or met in public. Is that right? Yeah, I know. Unbelievable. It's literally history in the making. It's the first time they've ever met or been in the same room, sat on the same table. It's unheard of. You know, we've seen them for years and years and years. I think we're talking 13, 15 years of them throwing insults back and forth over interviews, but they've never actually spoken. And that press conference was the first time they spoke. Um, you know, Eddie 
Hearn, along with Match Room's Ross Garrity, met with Frank Warren and his son George in, you know, this tiny little empty room next to uh, Wembley Arena about half an hour before the press conference started. Apparently, Eddie said it only lasted a few minutes. They were very polite with each other, very cordial, friendly. They discussed, you know, what they would say on the top table, had a little handshake and then kind of parted ways. Um, You know, it was George who actually wanted to bring them together. He felt that it would be beneficial for the card for them to actually speak and potentially iron out some of their uh, disagreements, but they didn't dive into it that deeply. Um, The thing we were all waiting to see, much like fight night, is who would walk first? Um, And it was Eddie who walked onto stage first. You know, he had a little smile when he sat down. Frank, on the other hand, came out. He was waving to the crowd. He was arms in the air. He was all animated. And uh, yeah, two of them sat on top table for the first time in history. Speaking of who will walk first, that question has been begged for Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua actually on December 23rd. Uh, I see Deontay making the case that it should be him as as recently as a couple of days ago. Just um, going back, it's undecided at this point, just going back to George Warren, for those who are unaware, obviously Frank's son and the heir to the throne at Queensbury when Frank was out with surgery uh, last year or maybe earlier this year. Um, George was in the hot seat there. I've had a few, let me say, Frank phone calls with George Warren down the years. Yeah, you see, um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, um, but he definitely takes no rubbish. So um, we'll be interested to see how involved he is in these developments. But it's still, you know, kind of wonderful to see Eddie and and Frank actually get together. I just found it unbelievable that. They've been trying to make this Fury and AJ fight for years now. Years they've been at it. And it was agreed at one point, lest we forget, for Saudi Arabia before Deontay Wilder, you know, went to the high courts and said, I'm owed a rematch and making that trilogy happen. And they did that without ever meeting in a room. I find that staggering, but maybe an indication of how things work today, you know. But that's the thing, though. So even talking to Frank after the press conference, I was saying, you know, how much chat has there been between you and Eddie in terms of making this deal happen? Like how much back and forth between Matchroom and Queensbury? And he said that actually it's George that takes the lead on these things that he is the one that does all of the talking with Eddie every time they've kind of negotiated it's always been through George and you know Frank was saying he'd like to see George on camera and come to these events and do these things because of the fact that he's working so hard behind the scenes but apparently he's very happy in the shadows just getting the work done rather than all the publicity that comes with it Um, but you're right I mean I think it's crazy the fact that they've only actually met now I do think that their rivalry um, has kept them both hungry, has brought an excitement to boxing. We love to see their back and forth, but it's frustrating when fights don't come together and some people blame the relationship between Eddie and Frank for the fact that they can't agree on fights. Now, I don't I don't personally think that's fair. I think there's a lot of other factors that come to play, but, you know, Eddie did say he doesn't think it's going to be a blossoming new friendship, but he thinks that, you know, having met, that they can start to put things aside and actually pull through and make these big fights. You never know. They might make the Christmas card list this year. Who knows? Who knows? That much money on the table. I'd hope so.
they have a responsibility to start making these fights happening. You know, we've been frustrated before that they haven't happened. And I think with influencer boxing creeping in, there's more pressure on the likes of Eddie and Frank to put on these exceptional fights to kind of show the gap between the levels. And the only way we're going to get that is because of them putting on these fights. And, you know, it's clear that Saudi Arabia have the money and have the funds to put on these fights, but they can as quickly take it away as they put it in. So you need everyone to be on the same page to make these mega bouts. And if you can't get the promoters to sit down and agree things, they're not going to happen. The fun is going to go and the fans aren't going to get the fight they want. So, you know, the responsibility is on them to um, be making these fights. Yeah. I mean, the buck does kind of stop with the promoters in that instance. And I think, as you alluded to earlier, there are a lot of reasons that fights don't get made in boxing. I think the sport as a whole has conditioned themselves in a way that actually actively avoids them until they can make the most money, as opposed to a system that makes the best fight the best. And that's a discussion for another day. Um, But uh, what I will say is that we did get two cards made last week, two you know amazing nights of boxing that we're going to be treated to you were across all of them doing your best work at these press conferences worked so good that you hunted down Deontay Wilder as he was trying to leave the place Uh, I'm not trying to call you a stalker Charlotte but I am trying to say it was great work and many of many of you have enjoyed it on our male sport boxing YouTube channel and you're going to be able to enjoy it today um, but great work, Charlotte. Just want to say that. Great You're work. making it sound like I need a restraining order. <laughs> well, you know, questions. <laughs> so Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder were only doing media commitments with the broadcasters. So, I mean, it's not been announced as to who will be leading, but we've got Sky, DAZN, TNT all in the mix for that. So they sat down with them. Um, they were told they were only allowed two to three questions each, which I thought was, you know, interesting considering the magnitude of the card that (laughs) is um, being put on. But anyway, uh, it was about 10 10 o'clock at this point after the press conference. We were still there mopping up interviews, you know, getting all this wonderful content for you guys for the hook. Um, And I saw Deontay Wilder and his trainer, Malik Scott, um, walking out of the building and I have a good relationship with Malik and we sat down for a great conversation in Manchester ahead of Tommy Fury's fight with KSI that is on our YouTube channel if you want to go check it out so I have a really good relationship with him and I saw him so I thought I'd try my luck and just went over was chatting to Malik you know we had previously spoken about doing a sit down with him and Deontay And next thing you know, he introduces me to Deontay. Deontay is incredibly nice, very charming, puts out his hand, quick handshake. They were talking about whether I could go to their hotel to do this sit down. Turns out Deontay was flying home at um, 7 a.m. the next morning. So the timing just wasn't going to work. A flight so that, he he, uh, that he saw Eddie Hearn on, by the way. It's worth mentioning. Exactly. Spent how many hours with Eddie Hearn? You best friends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So yeah, he said, look, timing's just not going to work to do that sit down, but why don't we have a chat right now? And I thought it was really nice of him because he was desperate to go get some food after a long day, but he stuck around and um, gave us some really great content, which I'm sure you guys will be eager to hear. So let's let Deontay do the talking. I think it's great. You know, um, it's, it's been a long time coming. When, when Parker was a champion, you know, he came to one of my fights for a potential fight to face me, um, for, us, for us to uh, unify our belts together. After my devastating knockout of what I did, 
he went the other way, you know. And um, I just feel at this moment in time, it's, a, it's time for a little payback, <laughs> a little get back, because I could have been unified champion three or four times, you know, many years ago. And it's just a, it's sad that, you know, no one ever gave me an opportunity to, to do so because of my power that I possess, you know what I mean? And uh, it's it just sad because we're in the, a business where it's all about based off your courage, your bravery, your strength, you know, uh, how good you are, your skill level, you know, and uh, your IQ. And uh, when it comes to me, a lot of these guys, they, they tend to want to throw it away when it comes to me and act like they don't have nothing so they don't want to fight me. But um, this is a good fight. I'm glad that it's here now, you know, and um, like I said, it's going to be fun. And, and we're going to Saudi Arabia, so I'm looking forward to it. We actually spoke about that, how frustrating it has been for you guys collectively as people kind of ducking you and not wanting to fight you and that leads to inactivity. How have you found that period of having to be inactive because of these people that are ducking you and not wanting to face that power you talk about? Yeah, you know, I've found it um, just the time itself just as a, as amazing. It's been an amazing time for me. A lot of people think, have thought, you know, certain situations that have happened to me that I'm depressed and I'm, I'm going through all these different emotions. But if they knew me, you know, they would know that, you know, we, we oh, come on, man. We too blessed to be stressed. And I tell people that all the time, why do you think I'm smiling all the time? This is no fake. This is no front for no one. This is who we are. All my brothers, this is how we are. How we act and how we treat people, this is what we do. You know, you come and show us love, we're going to come and show you love. Now, you disturb the peace, then it's consequences. And that's just it. That's what any of us, all of us are capable of something, you know. And, but we're loving people. We love the love. And, and um, so it's, 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 you know, I am who I am, you know. And I, I love to be who I am, a positive role model that love to smile and, um, and bring joy to those that, that, that love to, to receive and give joy out. And you were very positive on stage earlier when you were talking with Anthony Joshua. You know, it was great to see you guys under the same roof. We did actually want to see you two fight next. What is the reason for that not happening? What do you think? <laughs> come on. Come on. Let's be honest. What do you think? Because he's scared of the power? I, that's part of the reason. But I think what's, what has major, what, what, what has held this up major, what, I, uh, I wouldn't say money because uh, he asked for $50 million and we provided that for him. And he did not take it, you know. And, um, and the only way you, you disregard that is try to make a mockery of it, try to make a joke of it, try to make it seem to the public that it's not real. Oh, it's coming from him. Oh, he don't have 50. You know, he don't have 50. He from this and that. That's a, just a def deflection to not like, oh, that's an old moment. They came up with $50 million because he spoke. That's why they don't have Joshua speaking a lot on his own behalf. You know, and if he do speaks, Joshua always slips up and say things that, that is not appealing to his people, you know, and they have to play cleanup. You know, but most of all, I think it's management, promotion that has really helped. And I don't think I know for facts. It's been management. It's been promotion that have helped him back from fighting me because – you know, he's a fighter. Of course, many times we like we we get to the point where we say no, but then that peer pressure of people, when you're gonna fight Wilder? When you're gonna fight Charles? When you gonna? And you hear that? You've been hearing it. What? It's been over six years. The same thing. They say this is the biggest fight in the world, and then come a point in time where a fighter be like, you know what? Forget it. 
I'm going to fight because, you know, we don't want to look like we're lesser than who we are. We're gladiators, all of us. We risk our lives for y'all guys' entertainment. You know, for y'all to have a job, for y'all to talk about something. For y'all, you know what I mean? We risk our life for that. Yeah. <laughs> People don't understand that. So with that being said, many times he, he, he wanted to fight. He wanted to accept it. But his handlers, and we know, they didn't want it because Joshua is the moneymaker for the company. And if he goes down, so does the business. Does that concern you then that they fronted up the cash, they gave that 50 million and they still said no? Does that put concern in your mind that the fight will actually never happen then? Um, it used to for a very long time, you know, and we still continue to try to, to try to get it. But at this moment in time, I don't think that exists no more as far as worry if it's going to happen. I know for sure it's going to happen now, mm. you know, so... Uh, Everything is good, I, I, and I just thank God for 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 the King and your ex excellency, you know. And uh, Saudi Arabia coming to the business of boxing, they're gonna change boxing. Just you watch, they're gonna change it. And they already have started, and uh, they got all the resources, they got the money to do so, and um, and um, soon they're gonna have a strong boxing team to be able to to handle every position that um, that, that comes. To, to mine, even with the, the, the smaller, you know, the, the smaller rate, rated guys, all they're going to start making money and, and getting involved. So I just thank those guys for being able to come, in, come involved because without them, I don't think this fight would be possible mm -hmm. as positive and, and ha as good it is right now at this point because right now in my eyes it's 100% on, mm -hmm. you know, and if it's not, then it's 98%. It's <laughs> You heard it here first, Charlotte Daly said, Anthony Joshua is scared of Deontay Wilder's power. <laughs> uh, it was a question. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. Of course, uh, great work again, Charlotte. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, you can watch that on Male Sport Boxing's YouTube channel and you'll be able to read about it online as well. Um, Unified champion three or four times, he says. Uh now, you know, it's funny because every boxer talks about how there were so many fights that they could have had and deals that didn't work and et cetera, et cetera. When he was obviously the reigning WBC champion, AJ was kind of on his way to unifying the rest of the belts, right? Fury obviously was kind of out of action, which is how AJ picked up all the pieces and all the other belts. Um, so really what he's saying is that he couldn't get the fight made with AJ. One interesting thing for me there is there was that time where he took, I think, the Fury rematch after the draw where he could have had an undisputed title fight and he opted against that. He publicly said and tweeted, as a matter of fact, that he turned down an offer to fight AJ. So it's not all one-sided is my uh, point to be made here. He has turned down offers too. Um, the same way that Fury had to go and fight Wilder, and then in the interim, AJ fought sick, and it all fell apart. Um, there's been multiple, multiple times where things have just fell apart, where we thought we had it. Yeah, we did think that we had it on multiple occasions. You know, it was three years and two months that AJ and Wilder shared the belts, and they failed to make a fight that's between that time. That's that's like 2016 to 2019. That's Three years, that fight should have been made. And personally, you know, no excuses for it, really. Yeah, let, let's just finish this chat with 
a slight note on AJ. Of course, he has switched trainers to Ben Davison. And we've seen some clips of them training. AJ working on power punches, being released on the regs at the moment. Um, what do you think about the amount of trainers that he's going through? Because one might say he's just trying to expand his knowledge, right? He's just trying to take a little bit from everybody. Um, others might say that he's failed to settle since leaving Robert McCracken. Yeah, Joshua's training situation has kind of been an ongoing situation since his first fight with Usyk. You know, following that loss, he decided to split with Rob McCracken. Um, that's the guy who guided him to Olympic gold and, you know, unified heavyweight world titles and stuff. For the rematch, he obviously linked up with Robert Garcia. Um, a split decision loss and some interesting comments from Garcia in the post-fight interview led him to ending that relationship and linking up with Derek James. Now, um, the whole thing was Eddie Hearn had said beforehand that the reason why they weren't fighting Wilder next is because they wanted another fight under Derek James to gel more. Um, he obviously got the Robert Hellenius fight. He said he was going to have another one, but he's now linked up with Ben Davison, who had apparently actually been in camp with AJ and helping him tactically over the last few fights. So it hasn't come out of absolutely nowhere. He was actually already working with him, but obviously Derek James was the lead trainer and that has now changed that he is working with Ben Davidson as his main trainer and he will apparently return to Derek James after this fight. Um, but I do think it's interesting in the fact that Davidson last, you know, well, he'd worked previously with Tyson Fury and the last fight he did with Tyson Fury was against Otto Wallen. Um, so potentially, he wants to help him there because of the fact he's had experience with Otto before and the fact that he is known for being um, a bit of a Southpaw expert. You know, he's trained other big names in the division and he's helped other fighters that have taken on Southpaws. So potentially that's the reason that he wants to kind of get in camp with Ben going into this fight. Ben Davidson, of course, who was part of the masterminding of Fury defroning Deontay Wilder in the first place, by the way. Um, Wilder Fury 2. Um, you know, he, I don't know if he'd want to replicate Fury's performance against Otto Farlin. <laughs> I don't know if that's what AJ will be looking for. But, you know, this is a guy that has trained Josh Taylor and, you know, he, he, he has had a, a, a slew of world champions. Uh, it's not just the Tyson Fury link-up that people should know him for but either way uh he certainly does have a history against your guy uh, i've said it charlotte your guy deontay wilder <laughs> yeah well do you know what? i actually find it quite interesting because some fans would actually argue that fury was a better fighter when he was working with ben compared to now with sugar hill steward um he takes a lot more punishment now than he did when he was with ben and i think this is a good time for AJ to link up with someone like Ben as he looks to face some potentially devastating opponents that have extreme power and are, you know, top of the division like Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. And we've seen some videos of AJ in camp. You know, he's um, looking pretty powerful on the pads, which is something we'd like to see. But I think Davidson will help enhance AJ's footwork and his defensive skills, which is perfect for the Deontay Wilder fight. And I also think that their styles might match a bit more because 
with Derek James's style is a lot of like brawling and aggression. And we've seen that's not really AJ anymore. He's not one to let his hands go and he's not one to fight in that way. He describes himself as a more mature boxer now. So I think going down the route of Ben increasing his power, as we've seen on the pads, but also working with him defensively could be more beneficial. But anyway, enough on that topic um, to see my full interview with Deontay Wilder, all the little bits we've been talking about there, head over to Mel Sports Boxing YouTube channel. You know, it's on almost, I think it's 100,000 views now. So it's rising. People are wanting to see it. So make sure you take a look. One of them was certainly me, uh, but I didn't leave a comment, although many of you did. Uh, let's start with Shabazz. That's a great name. Uh, Wilder fails to mention he offered 50 million on Instagram, lol. Uh, how every great businessman does contracts. He also failed to mention he turned down a hundred million to fight deal with DAZN. I mean, that kind of lends itself to what I was saying earlier about he has turned down fights himself. Um, you know, admittedly, the fight he turned down from AJ, where we could have gone undisputed. He kind of had promised Fury the rematch. And I do think there was unfinished business because it was a draw. So I'm not going to like hang him out to dry over that. But, to, you know, it is to say he's had his chances to make the fight too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Barry Condolucci isn't too happy about it either. He said, I feel AJ and Deontay Wilder being on the same card and not fighting each other is a massive two fingers up to the boxing fans. I mean, we've said it before and we'll say it again. It's really frustrating for fans. It's what we want to see. I do believe it's going to happen. But personally, I think that they're going down the route of the belts. That's why it's happening. I know it's frustrating for the fans, but ultimately, I think it's what's right for AJ. Uh, I, I do think boxing fans have every right to feel that way. Um, although I am choosing to look at it as the oh my God, it's just an, a great boxing card. I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be thoroughly entertained from start to finish with all of those matches on the card. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to it from that perspective. But, you know, fans, they might see it as two fingers up towards them. Uh, but Otto Wallen, he is no mug. He is no mug at all. And that is going to be AJ's opponent. And we saw that when he faced Tyson Fury, Charlotte. Yeah, I spoke to him about that. Um, he's delighted to be taking on such a bit big fight, but he actually reckons all the pressure is on AJ. There's nothing Ben Davidson can do in seven weeks to change Joshua. I think that Ben is a good trainer, but you gotta be, gotta be almost Jesus to do that in such short amount of time. I've been with my trainer for 10 years and we have a great bond, great relationship. I trust him, he trusts me. And that's really important in boxing. And any fight I go into, I know Joey has my back. He's a very smart trainer. We got always got a good game plan and we gotta have that for this fight. And I think with, in Joshua's case, it's gonna be very hard to, He's already unsure of himself and, and, you know, bringing in a new trainer now this close to a fight against a southpaw, it's going to be very hard. It's nothing. It's going to get better. I think it's going to get worse, to be honest. You said there about being a southpaw, you know, we saw how he did against Usyk. Do you think that southpaw is something that he struggles with and is that something that you're really looking to utilise and take advantage of? Yeah, because us southpaws or lefties, we always, I mean, we grow up fighting righties, right? And righties grow up fighting righties because there's not many lefties out there. So. So it's just different, it's just different. He, he's gonna prepare, of course. He, he gave Usyk good fights. Usyk is a very good fighter. Uh, but it's just, I feel like that's an advantage for me, just above everything else, that I'm a southpaw and I'm a, I'm a tricky one, so. 
And people are saying that Anthony Joshua has been gun-shy recently, that he's not letting his hands go as much as he used to. Do you see that in him? And do you think there's a pressure on him for this fight to show some of that against you? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to tell him what to do, how to beat me. So, But I think that Joshua, he's lost a lot. He um, He's very worried. I think he has too much pressure on his shoulders. And it's, it's probably kind of tough to be in his shoes, to be honest. I think that people are very critical of him. He's done really good for himself and he's been a good champion. Unfortunately, I think his time is coming to an end and, and uh, this is my time. And in terms of you and your time, your style, you know, you're relentless. You keep chipping away at these boxers. We saw that against Tyson Fury, the massive cut that you gave him. What was that fight like from your perspective? How do you think that that went for you? Because, you know, you really pushed it. Right, and that fight has been more of a win than anything for me. I gave him a really good fight. I did lose the fight, I would have liked to win of course, but I feel like since that fight I've just been waiting to come to this stage again and now four years later I'm finally here and I've been training this whole time. I got four more years of training, I'm a better fighter now and I'm just ready for it. Now I'm going to win this and I'm going to stay at the top. Four more years of training under your belt you said there. We saw Tyson Fury, a pretty flat Tyson Fury against Francis Ngannou. Do you think if you got back in the ring with him now it would be a different outcome then? I think so. I, I have a, had a great shot of beating him the first time. You know, with those cuts, could, the fight could have easily been stopped. I think that he deserved the decision, but it was a close fight. It was a very close fight, and I'm, I'm better now than I was then. I'm more experienced, and I'm a better all-around fighter, so I really hope I'm getting another shot at him. Well, he is going to get a shot, and we saw what he could do under the lights with Tyson Fury. He's going to get his chance against Anthony Joshua. Uh, what I will say, Charlotte, is AJ did not have the best of time against the Southpaw in Alexander Usyk. What does that say for another Southpaw in Otto Valin? It's not all doom and gloom for AJ when you think about Southpaws. Um, he actually won his first world title when he knocked out Southpaw Charles Martin in the second round. And, you know, he beat at the Olympics, I think it was in 2012, he beat that Italian Southpaw, Roberto... Kamale, or I can't pronounce his name, probably so he absolutely butchered that if he's ever listening to this podcast. Um, so he does, he can beat Southpaws. I don't think that the reason he lost to Usyk was because he was a Southpaw. I think the reason he, he lost to Usyk is because Usyk has exceptional, you know, footwork. He mentally and physically exhausts his opponents. You can see he's, he's constantly working his opponents and he's, um, constantly moving and he's tiring them out in that way that I don't think it's just solely because he's a southpaw I think AJ can overcome that it's more of a mental thing now than a physical thing in terms of this southpaw everyone loves to throw at him I mean he did say after his uh, first loss to Usyk that you know lefties are a nightmare but I think he has it in I think he has it within himself and the capability to beat a southpaw I just think it's more the fact that Usyk is technically so good. Well, we've heard from some of the stars that will be fighting on December 23rd, but we've still got to get to the guys who are meant to be fighting on December 23rd, but will now be fighting for all the gold in February. Yeah, we're having to wait to February to see Tyson Fury fight again, but at least we're getting the fight. Um, here's what he said to me the last time we spoke. I thought it went really well. I got paid, got laid, got out of there, and now I'm on to my next one. 
not interested in all that stuff like reunifying the division or I've already done it I've done it when I beat Klitschko I won all the belts and I won the WBC after that so I've got every belt there is to win including ring magazines and WBO all of the belts there is I've already had them so yeah it's not that exciting when you've already done it is it (laughs) it's like saying oh my god you're going to climb up Mount Everest you've already done it 16 times before but if you're going to do it again how excited are you I'm like well yeah I've already done it a lot of times so yeah Um, oh my god you're going to have a boxing match on Saturday Um, how excited are you well I'm very excited but I've had 35 of them before so yeah it's like it's like having another another baby do you know what I mean I've already got seven so odds are she's probably going to get pregnant again and yeah am I going to be unbelievably excited it's a fantastic thing I've been here plenty of times before (laughs) and I've actually caught up a few times with Eddie Hearn since your fight with Francis I'm not interested in Eddie Hearn or anything he's got to say he did say Eddie Hearn now works for me so yeah he did I don't care he what he said. Retire. I don't. Oh. I don't care what he said because he's, he's not relevant. Mm-hmm. Not on the horizon at all. Oh, not, he had to earn. No, as in that not, retirement talk. You're not even thinking about it. Why would I? And in t- again, I'm not even interested in what any of these people have to say. Eddie Earns or anybody. Who are they now? They're working for me as dossers. God, it seemed like a chore to him. That interview. He seemed agitated as it went along. Um, it, it wasn't like that the first time when you when you sat down. I think in Saudi Arabia, it seemed a lot more gleeful. Um, he seems, you know what I mean? Like he, he's tired by these questions. Like he was going, oh, you know, oh, I haven't done this before and all that stuff. And I, I get it. He, he gets asked that stuff all the time. But what did you gauge from being around Tyson that day? Because I mean, it's worth noting before you answer that, sorry, that a lot of people felt that he was aggressive full stop at the press conference, right? That he was irritable. Yeah, he um he was actually in very good spirits when he turned up. Um, I was down on the lower level with Usyk and around his team and Tyson was walking up on the balcony and Tyson spotted Usyk immediately shouting down sausage and they were having a bit of back and forth. It was all quite lighthearted and fun. Um, I then went up to the balcony where I did my interview with Tyson and he was getting his photographs taken for the event and, you know, was in great spirits, singing, dancing, Every, as soon as he walked up to me, he was singing a song. Um, so, yeah, he was in great spirits. But I do think the questions about Nganu are grinding on him. I think the fact that everyone's had a lot to say and it hasn't been particularly positive on Tyson, given his performance on that night. I just don't think it's a topic he likes talking about very much. And I understand why. But unfortunately, those questions have to be asked. And it's a topic that will be asked until he finishes his next fight. Yeah, he doesn't like being asked about fights being made either, does he? Because he he knows that the uh, inclination of the public is that he might be the one who's made it difficult. Um, And and I thought you asked a very fair question and kind of how we've got to this February date that he didn't seem to be too interested in answering because lest we forget, he was the one who said he would sue (laughs) Usyk, sue him, and his team, if they didn't fight on December 23rd, and then one fight against Nganu and he changed his mind completely. Um, you know, uh, this Usyk fight, more on the actual fight. You know, he he he, saw, he talks about how he's just going to box, 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 and he's just going to punch him in the head. And I think, stylistically, would you think it's fair to say, Charlotte, most people think Fury will, will win, because Usyk's a great boxer, but Fury is also a great boxer. And by virtue that he's bigger, he holds the advantages. Yeah, definitely holds the advantages. I think especially 
now under Sugar Hill, we've seen Tyson's actually getting bigger um, and he's using that weight in the clinches to lean on his opponents. And given he's so much taller anyway than Usyk, he'll certainly be looking to use that to his advantage. Um, you know, he's kind of, Sugar's almost turned him into a bit of a grappler um, in that aspect. So I think that Tyson certainly has the advantage within that aspect. And I, I've said it before that I think Tyson is very adaptable. I think when he goes into the ring, sometimes he doesn't even know what he's going to be doing, that he susses out his opponent and kind of goes from there. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Tyson decides to fight against somebody like Usyk, who has a lot of movement, good footwork, and constantly makes his opponent work. Um, but to say that Fury is not interested in this legacy, I don't think he's lying when he says it, but you know, I've I've listened to interviews with him before, you know, the one in particular when he was coming back um, from his time out of the ring and his depression to fight Deontay Wilder afterwards. Um, he started reeling off stats about former two-time heavyweight world champions and he was so motivated about reclaiming those belts. I find it hard to believe that he hasn't once thought about his legacy and being that undisputed champion. And at the end of the day, he's an athlete and your mind is just wired differently. Of course, Tyson's motivated by money, but there's a certain hunger and determination you have to have to put yourself into these fights. And it's it's wrong to say that he doesn't have that. You know, I definitely think that he is motivated by that legacy. I just, he just doesn't want to admit it for some reason. I think we're wasting our time a little bit because like things change with Tyson Fury. Like we know this. He said it wasn't about money and he's driving a Passat. And now, you know, he's splashing money left, right and centre on, on cars and his house. And, you know, quite rightly, by the way, you earn the money, spend it. But don't, you know, he, he had previously said it didn't matter. Um, clearly it does. He's taking these huge paydays in Saudi Arabia. Clearly the money does matter. Um, he said he had to retire because he wanted to enjoy his life young. And he changed his mind on that in the space of months, like he will change his mind again. Like I, I have no doubt when he has all of the belts, he'll be in the ring saying, well, look, I am the greatest. It is confirmed. I am the goat here. I did it. And I'll be going, I thought you didn't care. And he'll be like, well, I've got all the belts. Okay. Well, there you go then. Um, I, you just, you really can't take what Tyson Fury says too seriously. You have to just read between the lines you best the best you can to get the bits that really matter i guess um and i, and I think he does you know it, he's not just taking this fight because it's the fight to take you know he has said before oh there's no money in fighting Usyk, and i would imagine outside of saudi arabia there isn't as much money to fight Usyk. he's definitely got more lucrative fights that he could have primarily being aj which many might argue would be easier than Usyk. so the whole prospect of this Usyk fight really is to unify the belt. So I don't see why you would take it any other reason. Um, you know, do you think as a dance partner, Usyk is more difficult for Fury than people think? I mean, I don't think I've spoke to anyone thus far who has kind of outright said, I think Usyk will win. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll get many people that will be hard on either side. I think it's going to be incredibly close, you know. I said it before about the fact that I think Usyk has exceptional footwork. You know, he's mentally and physically exhausting. Um, he doesn't have the best power, but when you fatigue your opponent so much 
like he does, you can technically knock anyone out. Um, so there's obviously a threat there, but Tyson Fury is the bigger man. He likes to throw his weight around and put it on his opponent in the clinches. That's something that we were talking there, that he has that advantage. Um, the thing that I quite like about Usyk is he is the underdog, technically. I, I would assume the bookies would have him as the underdog, and he's been the underdog before um, when he beat Grassiev in Russia and when he first took on AJ in Tottenham and he emerged victorious. So if he takes on um, Fury in the new year, he will be the underdog. And I think that that's when he thrives and I think that's when he's best because he just keeps himself to himself. He doesn't rise to Tyson Fury's personality. And even in the press conference, we saw Tyson kind of goating him and he, he just stayed completely calm, doesn't let Tyson get under his skin. And I think the fact that Tyson wins a lot of his fights before he even steps into the ring because of that personality and mentally and psychologically psyching out his opponents. And Usyk's just not letting him get under his skin. So I think it'll be really interesting. I personally still at the moment think Tyson has the advantage going in and could emerge victorious because of those reasons. Um, but I, I don't think it's right to say it will be one way or the other because I think it's going to be close. I think Ngannou is not a good sample size if you are trying to make a case of Fury didn't look good there, so Usyk will beat him. Usyk and Ngannou are polar opposite fighters in just about every way possible. You know, you, you said earlier about uh, Fury being a grappler. Well, he learned very quickly he couldn't grapple Ngannou. Um, but if you said to me, you have to put your house on it now, like now as we speak, I would probably go Fury. But I'm literally like 55-45 on it. It's it's not a big margin. And I think you could make a case that Usyk has risen to the occasion and has had more standout performances in his career than Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, amazing performances. Gento Wilder too. One of the best heavyweight wins I've ever seen. Easily, right? Amazing performance. Nobody thought he would stand up to the power the way he did and he just battered him down, right? It was great. Uh, Dillian White was really impressive at Wembley. I was there to cover that one live. Ex, you know, excellent finish, outstanding performance, judged the distance incredibly well, masterful stuff. Uh, and you could also argue that Klitschko, uh, I, I mean, it wasn't the sexiest performance. It's not a, it's not a fight that you'll want to go back and watch for entertainment value, but Fury masterfully negated and frustrated the champion and just boxed his way to a victory. So what you can take from all of that is that Fury will find ways to win. Now, some are better looking than others. Otto Valin wasn't a good watch at all. He was lucky to come through that. 47 stitches. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that will play a part, right? Um, and obviously, he didn't look good against Ngannou. You know, Chisora was what it was. You just, you know, it's not really one that you can read too much into. You start looking at Usyk's CV. You said Gassiev there, uh, Bradis as well. Uh, the, both the AJ fights, lest we forget how he dismantled Tony Bellew. I know Tony Bellew was at the end of his career, but he just, after a couple of rounds of figuring out, Usyk really destroyed him, um, you know, to stop him. And he stopped Dubois as well. Like, there, there's a lot of names on the CV across different divisions where you can say Usyk stepped up to the plate. And not only that, similarly to the way that Fury did it against Klitschko in Germany, Usyk is always the one going to their backyard to do the damage. 
right? He he hasn't he doesn't have the luxury of home soil. All of these champions that I'm talking about that he's beaten on his way to undisputed cruiserweight champion and unifying the heavyweight division, he's done it by going to their countries. So I think that says a lot about the fighter too. I think with his cardio, he's got an unreal engine. Unreal. The man never stops. Like he never has a as down rounds, right? He's always looking at different angles. He's always, you know, posing a problem with the footwork as well in terms of, you know, stepping into their strides that they can't do what they want to do. It's a mental and physical battle with Usyk that I think Fury might not have had before. Um, there's every chance that I could just be wrong and Fury just <laughs> does what he did, Deontay Wilder too, and he just batters him down and uses his size. But I honestly think Usyk is not as, you know, you can't push him around like you think you will. I think AJ and Dubois thought they might. Um, and I also think that from a tactical perspective, Fury won't have faced anybody as high quality as Usyk in his whole career. So there is a massive case to say Usyk will beat him. Um, but again, it, it, I think the fact that there's such a size difference and Fury hasn't been outboxed in his career yet... Mm leads many to believe that it won't happen. But I'm telling you, it could. But now we have some more stuff coming up this week. I'm actually in Dublin now for the Katie Taylor fight on the weekend. Looking forward to that one? Yes, Sarah, aren't you? You're never home. You're never home. Um, I am looking forward to it. The first fight was was great. Um, I think I've said previously that I saw Chantel Cameron obviously win the world title during covid and have kind of stayed with her through the rise. Um, but I think a lot of us had thought that Katie Taylor was just kind of unbeatable, right? She'd had this legendary career and you just didn't ever really think it was going to happen. And then Chantel Cameron makes history. Um, I'm really, really excited to see what happens here because, you know, if Taylor does win and then maybe there's a trilogy or you've got Amanda Serrano and there's just so many different options that can span off of this. But at the same time, really excited for Chantel Cameron as well to say yes I did do it can do it again and use that as a launch pad as well so oh it's in a really exciting time for women's boxing like finally we're at a place where there's multiple kind of avenues and dream matches to go down uh, it's it's, it's going to be cracking and you just know in Ireland it's going to be an amazing atmosphere I'm very jealous don't know if this is coming through the microphone right now, but I am very, very jealous. <laughs> I'm slightly nervous about this one. You know, I'm I'm a big Katie Taylor fan. Anyone who knows me knows that. Um, <clears throat> I've really struggled watching the first fight. Um, and yeah, very, very nervous for the second one. Chantal's jab is really underestimated. I think her distance and her timing is exceptional. And, you know, it, her ability to walk onto these punches that, Taylor is throwing is obviously a threat. Um, you know, her head movement's just so minimal because she can walk onto these punches. But then again, you've got Katie, who's so good with her feet, also really good with her distance and timing. And, you know, she always drops those counter shots. So I think it's going to be an exciting fight. Um, Friday will be the weigh-in and then the fight on Saturday. Also, just to mention, throwing in, we've got a little forged Irish style party on the Friday night. So I'll be bringing you some behind-the-scenes footage of uh, the party. <laughs> what is this? You're just dropping this news on me? Oh, don't worry. Alex, you stay at the office. Oh, we need you on the desk. And you're out having drinks of Conor McGregor and stuff. Uh, this, yeah, well, I'm I this not tell you until working. I got to Dublin because otherwise... Well, yeah, this is it. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have, you're going to have to escalate this upstairs. What's, who's making these decisions? 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So that is all from us today. Um, we are sponsored by Paddy Power. Please remember to download the Mail Plus app for all of our extra content and check out the Mail Online for all the latest breaking news stories. For full interviews and features with the stars from the fighting world, head to the Mail Sport Boxing YouTube channel. And for the clips, make sure you head to our social channels. But most of all, please don't forget to rate and review us on whatever platform you get your podcast from and come back next and every Tuesday. I'm Alex McCarthy. And I'm Charlotte Daly. And this is The Hook. <laughs> 